Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio. Every week, Federal News Radio Executive Editor Jason Miller interviews CIOs of federal agencies about the latest directives, IT challenges, and successes. Now, your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Sean Torpy, the Acting Deputy Assistant Administrator for Information Technology and Acting Chief Information Officer at the Federal Aviation Administration. Sean, welcome to the program. Jason, thanks for having me. So it's been quite a while since I've had the CIO on my show. So I'd like to start at the beginning, if you will. We know what the FAA does, at least we hope we do, right? right. Uh, it, it matters in all of our lives when you fly, when you, you do so many things. But let's, so let's start with the CIO role. How do you support the FAA's mission? We really do provide uh, the agency with core services for IT. I mean, that's how we really support the mission. Really, we concentrate in areas of we maintain the, the non-NAS or non-national airspace system, that is the NAS, IT network infrastructure. It's roughly around 1,033 FAA facilities, which includes our mission support network, data centers, and that includes internal and also our cloud program and our, all of our operating environments. We roughly have a portfolio of uh, 430 applications used uh, FAA-wide by uh, the different lines of business within the agency and staff offices. Uh, you know, we keep the FAA's network safe by uh, cybersecurity and privacy. Uh, that also falls within the CIO's office. And uh, we deliver core services, IT services, including email, internet access, printing capability, along with uh, the end, uh, endpoint computing devices totaling roughly around 61,000. And that includes laptops, desktops, um, mobile devices, uh, smartphones, iPads, and, and some uh, air traffic control kiosks. And uh, other areas where we uh, you know, support the mission is provide enterprise information uh, governance and guidance to support our big data our, or our EIM, our enterprise information management capability. And we uh, operate our service center, or our help desk, for our employees. And uh, uh, we spend a lot of time streamlining processes and the user experiences for our users. I think it's good that you were clear about the non-national airspace systems that, that you guys support, because I think people hear FAA, they hear CIO, they think, oh, well, I think you see this with other agencies like the Federal Communications Commission, for instance, when people get upset about, and I'll just pick out net neutrality since that's been in the news lately, mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, that's David Bray will say, that's not me. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. I only run the system that takes the comments. Do you kind of get that same thing? You have to delineate between, hey, I understand you're not happy with this part of the, the system, but that's not a CI, that's not my job per se. I am the CIO or acting CIO for the agency, but I really do work shoulder to shoulder with the air traffic uh, organization and at all levels to support their mission is providing IT services, core services. And, and all the tools that they need to be successful. But we help guide them uh, when they're making IT choices. And, you know, we make sure that they're, uh, they're informed both on, you know, on their cyber side from our uh, NIST standpoint and following NIST guidance, and then also from the federal CIO and the guidance that uh, they provide. And without a doubt, I wasn't trying to insinuate you had nothing to do with them. Yeah, but, yeah. But obviously, when, when they're looking to install something, it's got to meet certain standards, and you got to provide that back-end infrastructure. But I think absolutely that um, it, it's a clear kind of definition of, of kind of what, what your role is. Yeah. 
And I think that's important for people to understand. And, and you mentioned a bunch of fun things I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But before we do that, a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with your office. So maybe discuss the makeup of your office, federal employees versus contractors, and your IT budget for 2017. Sure. Well, you know, the Office of Information Technology Services is really part of the Office of Finance and Management, Finance and Management, which is a shared services organization within the FAA. You know, we consolidated functions like financial services, acquisition, regions in IT about five years ago and have really reaped the benefits, efficiencies, economies of scales, and had a big success within the FAA and also within the department. But the Office of Information Technology is really made up of seven different directorates slash services. And, and really, they cover your basic functions for delivering IT services, solution delivery, infrastructure and operations, information security, privacy, enterprise program management. Our chief data officer is also within our organization. Um, we have a business partnership service, which is really the help desk and also the service center and, and reach out to our, our stakeholders and our strategy and performance service. We're roughly uh, about 670 feds, 480 contractors. Before we went into shared services, really, we had a lot more feds, but we've actually been uh, trading down on the fed rate, and we've been rehiring with strategic hires. So uh, we may have a data center person leave, and instead of just backfilling with the data center person, uh, we're looking more at a cloud architect. Or so if we have two data center folks leave, maybe we just get a cloud architect. So we're really, and, and we're really flipping uh, that uh, equation to see where we can outsource IT commodity services with contractors. So actually I see our, our contractor uh, numbers increase. Uh, that's interesting because a lot of CIOs I talk to have already outsourced so much that they're actually starting to bring stuff back in-house. And you see maybe the opposite where there's maybe, in your case, using just using your numbers, 670 contractors to 480 feds, and they're trying to bring it closer together. Is, is, is uh, Actually, that was 600. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah, 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 but right. what, I'm, what I'm saying is uh, I hear a lot of CIO, other CIOs say mm -hmm. they're opposite of you guys. Just to, I was just saying just to use oh, your I numbers. See. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting that you guys had more feds. Is that just part of the evolution of the IT organization? At it is. It, it really is. So, I mean, we have, we've attrited down. So before we went to shared services, there was a there was a CIO for air traffic, there was a CIO for aviation safety, there was a CIO for you know commercial space and what have you. We've consolidated down to one CIO for the agency, and um, we have attrited down uh, significantly. And I see that trend uh, continuing. I, we're looking at outsourcing. The federal CIO uh, before uh, Tony Scott was talking about, he had a quote that said, I want the FAA concentrating on air traffic and not email traffic. And so we've outsourced our email. We're outsourcing our help desks. And so we see us going in that direction because, uh, you know, that's the business we want to get into is supporting the mission and, you know, commodity IT kind of move uh, out of that uh, space. Interesting. Uh, the, the discussion around commodity IT is something, again, a lot of CIOs also are starting to look at. I know Commerce Department's a big one as well that's doing the same thing. Uh, real quick, your IT budget for 2017, roughly, can you give me a range? Yeah, uh, roughly it's about uh, $340 million, which includes our Fed workforce pay and IT core services to support uh, the FAA mission. It's about roughly a 36% on the pay side and uh, 64 on the uh, services non-pay. 
a lot of this is being pushed to shared services, maybe not the, the funding, but, but a lot of the efforts. I know we'll probably talk about that. Mm -hmm. Has your budget been fairly flat for the last few years? It, it has. That, it has. That makes things tougher why your the efficiencies make matter so much more. Right, right. I mean, we really have to look at in, uh, very efficient ways of executing on our budget and look at ways where we can really gain efficiencies. We have really spent a lot of time looking at our operational uh, budget and finding efficiencies there and then taking those funds and then turning those back to new services back to our stakeholders we did that with our wireless implementation we've done that with uh, other um, uh, requirements that have come up so that we haven't gone back to uh, you know um, our appropriators for more money we've actually been uh, just really being efficient on our own dime to make sure that we're Expending the money is as best we can. As you said, you can also then take the savings or the cost avoidance and the money that was maybe initially said, well, we'll have to use it for, you know, pick on email for a second. Right. You can, you can take some of that and put it back towards mission, which is really, in many ways, what the big push for IT modernization is talking about, really what the big push for uh, this idea of, of efficiencies and effectiveness. And it seems like you guys maybe are a little bit ahead of the game, which is hopefully a good thing. Uh, we, you know, we've had, we have really good leadership that have really kind of saw this coming and have really kind of pushed this forward. And it's, it's now just a, a regular drumbeat when it comes to looking at our budgets, looking at the mission and how we can gain efficiencies. We're a big believer in shared services. It works. We consolidated help desk. We went from seven to two, and now we're down to one. We did the same thing with email. We did the same thing with our networks. With all these different CIOs within the agency, once we came down and it came into shared services, we collapsed a lot of our network infrastructure and we gained efficiencies and savings through licensing and you know all these all these other things, uh, which uh, you know just made sense and we were able to kind of kick that back into the agency to help support the mission. Are you able to quantify savings at all? I'm not sure if if you guys have looked back and said email used to cost us. $30 a seat, now it's $20 a seat, or? Our first year into shared services, we were able to shed $36 million and, and kick that back into the agency. That was a big win for us. We've also looked at efficiencies that we were able to gain uh, in our operational budget and, and our infrastructure and operations uh, budget. We were able to cut um, operations by 40% one year, and that was able to then be turned around and kicked back into implementing a uh, wireless and a Wi-Fi solution throughout the country. So for our stakeholders who are aviation safety inspectors or any FAA employee could go to any of the 1,333 uh, facilities and then be able to uh, have Wi-Fi access. So we've been able to you know, really gain efficiencies and you know, work it from that, that perspective. That's amazing, you know, 36 million savings just from uh, the shared services, 40% in one year on ops. That also probably has moved the dial or moved the needle on the O&M versus DME discussion we have, right. operations, maintenance, and development modernization enhancement. Have you seen your needle move? It has, but you know, as we've gained efficiencies, we've also implemented some uh, enterprise uh, uh, new investments. And so we're finding that sweet spot. I mean, we look at efficiency right out of the gate. And you know, uh, we really do use the digital uh, services playbook for how we approach any new effort. One of the shining stars of, of how we've been able to accomplish this uh, was within our, our drone program or our UAS program. Um, you know, we had the luxury of, of starting from scratch, you know, with uh, drones emerging as new entrants into the airspace. 
um, we were really able to think uh, innovative and uh, come up with some really uh, cost-effective ways of solving those types of problems. So uh, it's been good. All right. Well, it's a perfect time to take a quick break. So when we come back, we can jump into some priorities that you give us a little bit of a hint of and some of the other uh, uh, things you guys are working on. My guest today is, is Sean Torpy, the Acting Deputy Assistant Administrator for Information and Technology and Acting Chief Information Officer at the Federal Aviation Administration. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Sean Torpy the Acting Chief Information Officer of the Federal Aviation Administration. Now, Sean, before break, we were talking about your office. You are talking about the success of shared services and the move around commodity IT. You gave us maybe a little bit of a heads up of some of your priorities, so let's just jump right in. What are you trying to get done over the next six or nine months? We have a full-on effort right now with cloud. Uh, Roughly two years ago, we awarded a a long-term cloud contract, and we are currently uh, in the midst of going for our authority to operate. So we're going to be spending a lot of time there. We're going through a bandwidth modernization where we're upgrading a lot of bandwidth in our facilities so we can take advantage of new technology, collaboration, and some other uh, new technologies that we're trying to uh, put into place. Uh, Cybersecurity, of course, is always uh, something that is a priority on my mind. We're knee-deep into our CDM implementation. And we're also um, going to be spending some time on the new entrance into the airspace, the UAS, or unmanned aircraft systems, along with the commercial space travel initiative coming out of commercial space. So we're going to be spending some time over the next six to nine months really uh, honing in and uh, getting uh, getting a lot of uh, mileage out of those programs. All right, so plenty there to talk about. Let's start with cloud. You talked sure. about this, this contract that was awarded maybe a, a few years ago. Uh, obviously, everything's around FedRAMP and getting it FedRAMP approved and getting the ATOs, as you said. Where do you see the biggest opportunities for cloud within the FAA when it comes to both mission and, and some of the back office shared services, as an example? We have spent a, a tremendous amount of time going for our ATO for our uh, government community cloud for infrastructure as a service so that it gives us the opportunity for uh, provisioning in this new cloud offering. It's a broker model that takes advantage of two of the major uh, service providers that are out there. Uh, we have an integrator that sits in front of that who helps execute from the broker perspective, and uh, it's worked out really well for us. There's a lot of flexibility there, so getting infrastructure as a service, government, community, cloud was a priority. Um, we should have that done by the summer time frame. Um, we're actually at the point right now we're doing testing for our dev and test environments, and so that we can go into production, I'd say uh, roughly the July 2017 timeframe. So the broker model is fascinating. I'd love to hear maybe a little bit more about it because this was looked at by, for instance, the General Services Administration talked about, maybe we should have a cloud broker type of vehicle and other agencies have talked about the broker model, but not too many have gone forward with it. Not because it's a bad idea, because maybe they weren't quite sure how it works. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how the broker model works for you guys? The nice thing about this whole cloud program and the way that it was structured is that it has a broker model in place, but then it has the ability to add in other service providers, uh, cloud service providers, as we see fit. So you kind of stay uh, neutral to uh, your workloads on where they would have to go. You know, it adds a level of complexity when doing your authority to operate because you're not just going for uh, FedRAMP for one specific cloud service provider. So it does give you a lot more flexibility to add 
cloud service providers in. Uh, we're just at the beginning of this. And so, you know, if it's just a, what I would call a, a VM shoot efforts, just straight infrastructure as a service we need, we would look at the cloud broker model to see, you know, what our best value is from a price perspective. But if there's a niche product that's within one of the service providers, we'll be able to direct that because, you know, that really is the service that we're going for. So in many ways, you work with the broker to decide what makes sense. For instance, hey, we have email. We want to move to the cloud. I know it's already there, but let's just right. use this as an example. Right. The broker may say, okay, we think it goes to X. And and if X comes back with a bid or, or a proposal, you go, okay, that's fine by us. But if it's, as you said, something more specific, like, hey, we found this new cyber technology that's in the cloud, we we tell we can tell the broker, hey, direct this to Y is, is, I know I'm simplifying it a little bit, sure. but do I have the right kind of framework? I, I, I think you do. I, I, I think either we go to the broker or we, we come to the broker to say, to, to look at a very specific technology uh, within platforms. Yeah. So platforms as a service, you know, we would want to take a look at and get out of the server business. So Active Directory in the cloud as a platform within Microsoft is something that's very attractive to us. We are an Active Directory shop. But managing those servers is something that we would want to get out of, okay, and making sure that we could go to AD in the cloud through the platform as a service offering within Azure makes sense to us. So that's not something that per se we would broker out because, you know, we, we use Active Directory right now. The same thing for AWS for some uh, specific offerings that they have. So it really does give us flexibility. And, you know, I look at our sweet spot as platform as a service, government, community, cloud for the agency. It, it really is where we, where we would want to go. Infrastructure as a service is great to have. Um, we would never do a lift and shift because you're not going to gain any value out of that. But, uh, you know, it does give us a flexibility to move workloads into the cloud. That really makes sense uh, when you're doing a rationalization of your applications. But I see platform as a service, and ultimately, we're looking at a SaaS offering, software as a service, for uh, some of our HR functions currently right now. It gives us a lot of flexibility. So the cloud program itself is infrastructure as a service, platform, and your typicalness standards for software as a service, too. Help me remember the awards. Is this open to everyone throughout the transportation department, or is this just an FAA-only contract? I'm glad that you brought that up, Jason. It really comes down to we have the opportunity to open this up to the other modes and for all of transportation. So it's another tool that they can use. Other modes are starting to explore the use of this, and it's not something that, per se, we have to own. Uh, or control, they have the opportunity to engage with the broker, engage with the uh, our, our integrator, our partner, to uh, do whatever they want within uh, the scope of the contract. So it has a lot of flexibility. It's worked out really well. We're at the beginning of it, and so that really, I, I think we're really going to start uh, getting a lot more motion and moving workloads in there. And also, it gives us the time to really do the hard job of rationalizing your portfolio and really seeing, okay, what are you gonna to bring to the cloud? What makes sense? Where you can see efficiencies and redundant functions, and then look more for an enterprise service that may be in a platform or as a software as a service. Have you guys, generally speaking, already picked most of the low-hanging fruit off of for cloud, or is that what this initial effort is over the next uh, you know, six months to a year? Uh, that, that's exactly what we're looking at. It's, it's really, you know, what's the first seven? What's the first 50? What's the first 100, you know? 
and we're dipping our toe in, but we're not just leaving our toe in. We're continuing to move forward to say, okay, that makes sense. You know, there's and other federal CIOs are dealing with this as far as uh, having a tick, having an M tips. A you know, that's that's a hard situation that we're trying to deal with. And a DHS has done a great job in really giving us the guidance there. And so we're just trying to see, you know, how that works. So as we can really, and as that matures, especially on the Einstein infrastructure, you know, hopefully we'll be able to leverage that, you know, in the out years of this too. I know the Trust Internet Connection, I just wrote about it recently. I know it's a lot of frustration for CIOs and industry alike. And I know OMB has talked about trying to solve the, the challenge. So hopefully there's good news coming sooner than later for that too. Absolutely. I mean, we have upgraded to the E3A um, uh, infrastructure. We have, we have a number of uh, uh, internet access points and our rollout for the new infrastructure has been gone actually rather smooth. We're fully implemented and taking advantage of uh, the new enhanced um, you know, feature sets. Everyone's waiting for you know the next generation, and that will be well-received, I'm sure, by everyone when it comes out. Exactly. The other thing you mentioned, I think, related to cloud is around bandwidth modernization and, and, and new collaboration. Talk a little bit about the, those plans around bandwidth modernization, because that's the, that's the lifeblood. It absolutely is, and we saw that we had not gone through a major upgrade for bandwidth. Uh, we had done kind of here and there, I mean, we're, we're a large network. We're roughly, you know, the national airspace uh, facilities is, is the largest private network in the world. And the infrastructure that supports that, which is the non-NAS or non-airspace system um, uh, network, is roughly 1,033 sites. We're looking to upgrade over the next couple of years uh, 600 of those sites. This first year, we're upgrading uh, roughly 253 of those facilities so the goal is that just over uh, 50% of our workforce is going to see a significant increase in bandwidth. So now we can look at collaboration type tools. The, we can look at um, tools that we were not able to uh, implement because um, our networks were saturated. And when we talk about major upgrade, you hear the one gig to the 10 gigabit. Is this what we're talking about or, or even d different type of, of upgrade? What we're looking at right now is it's a newer technology uh, within the Ethernet circuits. It's more scalable, more reliable. It's not like the NetBond type of uh, scalable uh, bandwidth on demand uh, type of uh, technology. But what we've done is we have really great tools monitoring our network. We're seeing once it reaches over a 30-day period, 80% capacity, it needs to be increased. So we're, we're really monitoring it from that perspective. And we have a really good governance in place for when we're going to bring something onto the network, we're going to see just what the what, what's the impact to the network so that we right-size circuits. And if we're going to bring something that is going to affect the entire network and have a big load, um, we can prepare for that better. I think the governance piece is important. Sometimes it gets lost in the shiny technology side of, of you know going to 10 gigabit and we could do a thousand times faster and and all the tools is the reason why this will take you know for 600 sites this will take a few years is just the amount of time you guys have the amount of throughput you're able to do or is there a budget concern you know someone could say well why not just upgrade them all now yes <laughs> it's 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 a combination of all three of those things i mean you know we're all under budget constraints we want to make sure uh, we know if we want to uh, innovate and put new tools in place we have to update 
you know, the money is uh, not always there, so we have to do things in a phased approach. But what we've done is made sure that we've looked at which sites are per se hurting the most, making sure that we cover those sites. We also look at the number of people that are at our facilities, our regional offices and our large centers. We make sure that we are upgrading those so that we're affecting the most amount of our stakeholders and, and uh, our employees. And and governance. We're big on governance and just making sure that it's fully thought out and everyone understands when you're going to bring something in, it's just onto the network or an application online. It's not just about building the app. Very good. Very good. And then let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump into cybersecurity, one of my favorite topics, CDM. My guest is Sean Torpy, the Acting Deputy Assistant Administrator for Information and Technology and Acting Chief Information Officer at the Federal Aviation Administration. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Solving challenges for government IT modernization. Here's Tom Frana, CEO of Vion Corporation. Vion partners with Cominario to support high-performance applications with innovative all-flash technology. With Vion's unique as-a-service model, government IT organizations can modernize their data centers to more effectively embrace digital transformation. Get to know Cominario as a Vion trusted partner by visiting vion.com slash flash. That's vion.com slash flash. Do you want to reduce your agency's time to respond to threats by 50 to 90%? The combined power of Optiv's Incident Response Solutions with the award-winning IBM Resilient Incident Response Platform arms your agency with battle-tested IR tools that you need to successfully manage and mitigate today's increasingly complex threats fast. Empower your agency to thrive in the face of cyber attacks by coordinating your people, process, and technology for the right response every time with Optiv and IBM Resilient. Schedule a demo today at ResilientSystems.com. Here's Peter Tran, RSA's GM Worldwide Advanced Cyber Defense Practice on Federal Identity Governance, sponsored by CGEN. When you migrate to the cloud, you have to think about your security as it's going into the cloud before it does. So appropriate independent validation and verification of your concepts of operations when you're going to migrate large networks in the cloud and whether you're going to use a hybrid cloud environment or completely private. So we want to have cost savings and we have capacity and scale. But what about security? Security becomes the outlier. Listen to the entire discussion, Federal Identity Governance, sponsored by CGEN at federalnewsradio.com. Search RSA. Federal agencies face significant resource constraints in staffing cyber analyst roles. A recent study showed that federal cybersecurity teams spend a large portion of time chasing false alarms. RSA allows you to see everything that's going on your network. See what's important and what isn't and target the real threats your adversaries pose. Learn more at rsafederal.com. What role does fire play in shaping natural resource land management? How does Interior's Office of Wildland Fire work to suppress wildland fire? What is being done to reduce the risks to first responders and the public? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Brian Rice, Director of the Office of Wildland Fire, U.S. Department of the Interior. Tune in on Mondays at 11 a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and my guest is Sean Torpy, the Acting Chief Information Officer at the Federal Aviation Administration. Now, Sean, we were talking about your priorities. You mentioned uh, cloud. You mentioned bandwidth. And you also mentioned my one of my favorite topics, cybersecurity. So let's start at the beginning of cybersecurity and risk management. We know that the Trump administration signed the executive order 
putting a big focus on risk management. You guys brought this up in your 2016 performance plan about an IT risk management around information system security. Let's talk about your role in helping the FAA address the cyber risks. The national airspace system is considered a critical infrastructure, so it is of the utmost importance to protect that critical asset for uh, for the U.S. Protecting our infrastructure and mission from cyber attacks is is crucial, and really, we looked at it as requiring mature and effective security operations capability to support how we're going to execute from a security perspective. We went with a risk-based approach to computer network security and looked at an integrated new, we're integrating really new technologies into our cyber security program. My office includes the FAA's Information Security and Privacy Service, which includes an enterprise cybersecurity compliance office and a security operations center. Our compliance office analyzes each system within the FAA's inventory for security vulnerabilities. We identify weaknesses, you know, we coordinate and remediate and look at every single program and every single packet at certain points if there is a cyber event. Our SOC is 24-7 by 365 as far as operations and is it really is a foundation for us, Jason, uh, for FAA cybersecurity program. The detection of threats and attacks are our SOC's first priority. This really does enable the FAA to successfully engage in the detection of opportunistic malware and attack campaigns. So we take cybersecurity very, very seriously, as does all federal CIOs and CISOs that really are out there. I mean, really to responding to a rapid involving cyber threat to the DOT's network and the FAA's infrastructure, the FAA, from our perspective, must evolve to be very proactive. We've looked at CDM as a, a step in the direction of being more proactive instead of being reactive. And uh, CDM has been oh, just a wonderful program through DHS, and we're taking full advantage of that, and we're really going to reap the benefits there. I want to get into CDM, but let me back up on the, on the SOC and the compliance office. It's, it's interesting you talk about every, every system, every hardware, software in your inventory is, is scanned for vulnerabilities. You're looking at every packet at some point in time to make sure— we had the recent WannaCry malware, and, and the government did a great job, and I'll be the first to pat you guys on the back to say, if you compare it to something that happened, Heartbleed in 2014, right. just, just 180 degrees difference. Right. Are you able, is, is the SOC able to kind of be that proactive piece as well, or is, or, or is that where you mentioned CDM, but right now are you more too, a little too reactive and you like to move through things like CDM to be more re proactive. Absolutely. So we, we are cusp of making that switch over on the CDM side. We are implementing the CDM tools right now so we can be more proactive and take, the, take advantage of those tools. But our relationship between our infrastructure and operations organization and our SOC is lockstep. I mean, they, we have people embedded on both sides to make sure, hey, if there's an issue, if something has to be scanned, if there's some type of log that has to be drawn, they're really an extension of our SOC. And so once we have full capability within CDM, which is really this upcoming year and, and, and out years, we'll be even that much more uh, proactive as far as more on the hunting aspect of the cybersecurity threat model uh, versus uh, just waiting for an attack to hit us. I can imagine that the FAA is one of the few organizations where you don't have to sell cybersecurity to your executives or to the mission areas because it's it's easy to make the case, hey, one hack into an airplane, and wow, that's a that's a big problem. Talk a little bit about the, the I don't call it easy because nothing's ever easy, but, right. but 
is is do you find compared to maybe some other agencies or other people you speak with or your other experiences that cyber is better understood? Everyone gets cyber in our agency from the the very top of our leadership, Michael Huerta, to um, the people who are working the programs as far as even the coders and developers in Agile Sprints, you know, having the code scans done. And and then um, Michael's understanding of cyber and the importance of it is something that really is at all levels of our agency understood and fully uh, when there's a cyber event or if there's anything related to cyber, it doesn't have to get people's attention or it really already has people's attention. You know, this whole methodology that we're putting in place, it, it really does provide us flexibility to dynamically really adjust to cyber attacks. You know, look at workloads, investigate and and really go through the threat intelligence and the network behavior, all the all the log analysis and the strategic tool development. All of that's kind of baked in to where we're going to really kind of complement uh, CDM. We're very strong relationship with DHS. Uh, we're very strong as far as our stakeholders, both on the airlines and all the manufacturers. We we all work together because we know how important this critical infrastructure is that we have to protect. And I think that's the key piece. You, you all work together because you understand what what it would mean if a cyber attack was successful. You, we talked a little bit about CDM. Just real quick, you said this year you're going to put in a, a majority of the, I guess, phase one and phase two. Is that what we're looking at right now? So the FAA was included in the group 1B, which really was the first group outside of DHS where a CDM program was kicked off. FAA is, is looking at the different capabilities within CDM. Some of the tools that we're looking at, we're looking at the logging within Splunk. We're looking at log, log examination through Splunk. We're, we're looking also at inventory management, and we're also looking at you know the scanning, patching capability, device monitoring, and the, really the reporting features. So all that's being implemented uh, within this. Uh, we just kind of put this all in place with the 1B um, rollout that we were a part of within uh, CDM. And so we procured these tools. Now we're putting them into production. And the dashboard is the other piece that a lot of people are waiting for. Were you guys among the first set of people to get the CDM dashboard, or is that coming later this year too, as we're, far as you know? We're literally in the uh, in the process of kind of implementing that right now and testing it out. I've heard really good things from other CIOs about it just gives you a picture you've never really seen before in this way. So maybe something to catch up with you it's uh, a, later it's on. It's really, I, I mean, the technology is just amazing. I mean, what they can do, I, I mean, I look at it both from a CDM perspective, from a cyber perspective. You know, also the network monitoring capability and what you're able to see and down to the packet, down to the script. It's it's just amazing. And it really does give you that more proactive approach of uh, looking at cyber and looking at uh, potential threats. We talked CDM. We talked a little bit about some of the risk management. Are there other tools or other things you guys are doing around cyber? Einstein, I know that's come up. You mentioned that you guys have implemented E3A. Uh, any any other tools that you guys are looking at right now? Uh, we, we know a lot of vendors listen to the show, so you can get ahead of them by saying yay yeah, yeah or nay on that one. Some of the tools that we're really looking at are we look at cyber from the uh, NIST cybersecurity framework. So you know we look at the identi- uh, identify, protect, det- uh, detect, respond to, and recover. So based on that, we we look at our tool set to support that framework. You know. Of course, we use uh, TICs and use the Einstein infrastructure. Network access control, our firewalls, intrusion detection sensors, and full packet capture devices. All those are tools that we, um, capabilities that we need, we use in our arsenal as far as uh, cyber is concerned. Various vendors 
um, and we're always looking for the best of breed. Excellent. Good, good to hear, and vendors will appreciate that. Oh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump into the big data challenge you mentioned maybe a little bit earlier. My guest is Sean Torpy, the Acting Chief Information Officer of the Federal Aviation Administration. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. This is Jared Serbu. I'm tweeting daily about the news that's interesting and important to the armed services and the defense contractors who serve them. Follow me at WFED. It's simple physics. Heavier objects exert more friction, lose energy, and slow down. So in the world of cybersecurity, when agencies try to protect their entire platform by piling on multiple single-point disconnected products, the weight drags it down. That means less power and performance. So how do you secure a network without slowing it down? With Fortinet, the one powerful, intelligent single-point that achieves end-to-end protection. Fortinet, the lean, mean cybersecurity machine. Learn more about this American success story at FortinetFederal.com. Listen to what Dr. Schertz is talking about on Tech Talk. If they see that you're doing a torrent, doing torrent downloads and uploads, they just slow you down immediately. And so it could be that your internet service provider, since it sounds like it was immediately lower, sounds like your internet service provider has targeted torrent traffic, BitTorrent traffic, and they're just slowing that down right away. So you have to use an encrypted VPN. Then they don't know what you're doing. Stratford University's Tech Talk Radio, Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 on 1500 AM. Whether your agency's data is in the cloud or anchored to physical or virtual locations, it's your digital currency. Veritas 360 Data Management, in partnership with DLT Solutions, is the key to extracting the maximum value from your data to drive effective missions. You get protected storage, access, and insights into your data from wherever it resides, with less risk, lower costs, and greater compliance. To learn more, download 360 Data Management for Gubbies at dlt.com slash 360. This is Roger Waldron, president of the Coalition for Government Procurement and host of Off the Shelf. My show brings a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Each week, I talk to experts from inside and outside government about the latest federal compliance and policy information for government contractors. Join me every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 11 a.m. for Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m or download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search off the shelf. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Sean Torpy, the Acting Chief Information Officer at the Federal Aviation Administration. Sean, we were talking about cybersecurity before break. Let's move into another piece of your priorities that we know is a big data and it's a big data challenge. Talk about the infrastructure and the analysis tools that you guys are providing for the FAA to really meet those big data challenges. And we had talked earlier before about governance. So instead of you know just running into a tool environment to looking at what's the best big data tool, we really concentrated on governance, data release, the rules of the road, so to speak, within the agency to really understand how we were going to release data, data ownership and things like that. We wanted to make sure that we really concentrated on that first, and then we would make that infrastructure buy and show that capability. In 2014, uh, the CIO, the previous CIO, or, or the, the, the non-acting CIO, as, as I would say, uh, uh, kicked off the Enterprise Information Management Initiative, which is our EIM initiative, just to make sure that the agency was uh, you know, really concentrating on data governance and the rela- or data release and, and moved towards data as an asset. At that time, uh, we looked at our business council, which is all of the executives uh, within the agency, and we presented this initiative to them. 
and they immediately saw the value of uh, EIM and it really endorsed it as a critical business initiative within the FAA. So big data is not just talk for us. It's bought in at the highest levels within the agency and looking at it as a strategic approach to improve data and information quality and accessibility and the foundation for future improvements when it comes to data. We set up an EIM steering committee and that steering committee is a committee that really promotes the elimination of duplicate infrastructure from a cost avoidance perspective. So we really set all this up even before we made any uh, big uh, purchases. Also, we had some time because we wanted to take advantage of our cloud program because that's where you would really see the value to really harness the power of compute when you needed it when processing the amount of data that the Na uh, National Aerospace System and Aviation Safety really kind of puts out there. Sean, let me jump in just real quick on that. Just to be clear for our, our listeners, the Enterprise Information Management Initiative it is both a initiative as in we're doing something, but also it's governance, and it, it's, it's that whole kind of – it's a broad perspective of how you're managing information in a different way. It's not just, oh, and a data lake with some tools on top. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of times people hear you know an EIM and, and go, ooh, it's a program – but it's really a way of thinking for the agency in, in many ways. That's how we approach it. I mean, we put some skin in the game. We brought in a chief data officer to help support this initiative to make sure that it had leadership at, at that level and really kind of focused the governance piece around this uh, the CDO who just was brought on this past December. And then after we you know, kind of put all the governance pieces in place, we put together an enterprise capability, which was really leveraging our cloud program and this cloud platform to um, really see how can we process all this information that the FAA generates. It's based on the uh, NIST Big Data uh, Architecture Framework. And so, you know, we always go back to NIST for our standards, of course, and it really gave us a framework to work from. It really gives us immediate access to needed data. It improves the analytic capability through robust processing power and storage, really harnessing the cloud for what it's best for. You know, the cost mitigation through efficient infrastructure acquisition data management, you know, we don't have to buy the amount of infrastructure that we had to buy previous. I mean, you'd run out of compute, you know, and then you would you would have all this all this capability that you would need, but you wouldn't have enough to to utilize to kind of get to the very last stage of being able to process all this information. Now with this platform, this enterprise capability, we can use as much as we need and then shut it down uh, accordingly. It also uh, gave us the ability to uh, maintain control of specific business rules to really enforce you know, the whole governance piece. You went from the beginning of the governance structure setup and you've now launched this into the cloud. So you have big data tools and if you will, now you have the data warehouse, the data lake, whatever we're going to call it. Right. That sits in the cloud currently. Do I have that correct? So so you do. We're in the process from a governance perspective of making sure that we're not just filling this up with data. Okay. We have also, we looked at an enterprise data uh, control source, basically a, a data catalog service. And so we're also categorizing all of our data. So we make sure that there's one source for data. It's it's uh, identified, described, defined, so that we don't we can cut through the redundancy of uh, data stored in multiple places. And then we utilize the cloud um, enterprise capability when we need to um, do analytics. And those analytics are they being used by mission areas, by the the executives to make decisions about shared services or make decisions about 
where to investments. Give me a sense of, of how it's being used or will maybe will be used in the it, near future. It, it's more will be used because uh, we just brought the studio on. Um, we had uh, been working since, you know, really 15, uh, 2015 to set up the governance and put this capability or, or put the governance in place. Now that that's in place, we have leadership we have an enterprise capability uh, platform that we can execute from. Now we're in the process of uh, making sure that we can harness it. We anticipate using it more and more. Um, we have what I would say data lake or data warehouse type environments right now that will probably be migrating towards that and utilizing this. And we're in the process of looking at you know what that uh, how that would work. We've got a lot going on, Jason. We've got the cloud going on. We've got our ATOs are coming in place. So we're trying to orchestrate this all at the same time to leverage it. I'd say we're at the beginning of a lot of different things. But once a lot of this stuff is realized, we have our ATO and GCC. We have platforms available. You know, we'll be ready. We won't be just uh, standing on our, uh, our hands right now waiting for something to happen. We'll be able to really execute. Well, it's good that you have a lot of uh, job protection and the fact that you have all these things going on. And let's add to that now the UAS, you know, unmanned aerial uh, aircraft. Talk about the FAA has set up some work doing uh, dealing with the drone issue, drone operators, the Pathfinder program. That just adds another plate that you're spinning constantly. Talk about how, how you guys are helping with that effort. The UAS program and the registry of UASs as they came through, that was really an exciting time for the agency because it was something really, really new. And it came at us very, very fast. And so the, what was really rewarding about that from the agency's perspective, and quite honestly for the CIO's office and our organization, was we were able to react and we were able to leverage new technology. We were starting kind of from scratch in some regards, and we were able to leverage the cloud, agile environment, stakeholder engagement, sprints to, uh, to make sure that we can meet a really tight deadline. We were involved in all aspects as it relates to the UAS registration uh, and migration. We're looking at it as a, you know, a one-stop shop or what they what we are originally calling the UAS gateway now we're calling the uh, drone zone as far as the user experience for drone operators to come in and then also be able to register their drones, uh, do notifications, receive authorizations, look at uh, reporting incidents. We have been able to leverage technology to really expedite that process so much faster than we ever possibly could before uh, in what would I would call the traditional IT sense and what really built up the, uh, the aircraft registration process. When this problem emerged, as you talked about, and you said we had to move quickly, what did that mean for you from the CIO's perspective? Did you have to put together a new team? So the timing really came about uh, last year, during right before the holidays. Um, so the announcement was made that we needed to uh, that we had a rule that was coming out for registering um, uh, UASs or unmanned aircraft systems. So the challenge was that we had to have a system up so that people could go and register them. And so we put together a team that was made up of the entire agency. So this just was not an Office of Information or, or IT effort. This was really an agency effort. We also brought in digital services to help us out to make sure that we were doing the right thing when it came to using the right technology, um, making sure that we were using, uh, using an agile methodology to deliver uh, value. 
and meet, really meet our deadlines. And so a lot of things converge at the exact same time. And so we were able to do, uh, we leveraged, it was the first effort in our cloud program. We literally awarded the cloud program and then we were able to leverage uh, the cloud program immediately to do a, uh, a cloud-based solution so that we could expand and contract as far as the registrations were concerned. We weren't sure quite how many uh, registrations would come when it first came out, but we wanted to make sure that really around the holiday timeframe, if everyone was trying to register the drone, that there would be no issues. And utilizing a cloud-based solution, we were able to ebb and flow as far as contract or expand as needed, and it, it, it just was a great thing. Sean, this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We're going to have to have you come on sooner than the, uh, the last time someone had on, came on from the FA, which was a several years ago. So I'd like to thank my guest, Sean Torpy, the Acting Deputy Assistant Administrator for Information and Technology and Acting Chief Information Officer of the Federal Aviation Administration. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show on our website, Ask the CIO, only on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM.